Hello and welcome to Horror Cult Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces. I'll emphasise on trash to pieces of genre cinema. And I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And I don't want to fucking talk about these films. <laughs> I feel drained. We've covered some shit on this podcast. <laughs> I want to watch Spice World again. <laughs> so... This week's Chris's choice. Remember that. Want to tell them what we're talking about? So this week I decided that I couldn't choose between these two films, so I decided to do the double billing that helped create the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1981, mm-hmm. and that was Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. And we've just watched both of them back to back. And Jesus Christ, I don't know how people did it back in Three and a half hours of pure bullshit. Three and a half hours. Okay, so, I mean, let's face it. These two films are incredibly camp. We are two gay guys. We should be absolutely living for these films. No. 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 Absolutely fucking not. Awful. Spice World was more empowering than these two put together. And Nat had the Spice Girls dancing to Gary Glitter. Oh, this was a 99 cents double bill. And that was a rip-off. Absolute rip-off. I wouldn't give you 10 pence to watch these films back to back at the cinema. Oh, my God. Yes, the year of 1980. The year the Razzies were created because of these two pieces of shit films... The year that The Shining was nominated for Razzies in the same fucking awards ceremony as these films. It doesn't make any sense. So how we're going to go about this episode is that we're just going to quickly skim through both films. I wish we could have done that when we were watching them. Yeah. We're going to quickly skim through them and we're just going to talk about uh, like key themes or, or whatever of the films, if there even is any fucking Spoiler themes. alert. One of these films is the worst film of all time in my eyes. <laughs> one of these films, and I'm not going to say which one it is just yet, but we'll start off with fucking Xanadu. So, Xanadu, uh, released in 1980, directed by Robert Greenwald with a $20, $20 million budget. Well, both of these films have a $20 million budget, which is fucking amazing considering they... It's crazy. Yeah. Um, the script was actually written for this film whilst it was being filmed and um, it certainly fucking was oh yeah and one of the screenwriters was actually held to ransom for three days uh, against his will because uh, he wasn't delivering properly (laughs) if uh, I I, yeah and it's the final film of Gene Kelly how sad yeah Gene Kelly how tragic legendary Hollywood um, entertainer uh, this was his final film, and I I would say he's for me probably the best part, of the, the second best part of the film. Um, Xanadu, for all its faults, has a cracking soundtrack. Yeah, for my uh, electric light orchestra, this Love the soundtrack yellow. is a million times better yeah, than the film itself. Absolutely bangers throughout. Um, well, this wasn't even a soundtrack for uh, for Xanadu. This was just an ELO album, and then. 
they wrote the songs Xanadu for the film. Yeah, essentially. They, the ELO were, were writing some songs for a new album. They must have had, you know, somebody say, oh, will you write songs for uh, this new film called Xanadu? They just used what they already had and then obviously wrote the, the soundtrack, uh, the um, title song for the film itself. So for all its faults, Kraken soundtrack. But let's get into it. Story is Michael Beck from the Warriors fame. Just come off the Warriors. Um, he's a struggling artist. Uh, <laughs> who's hates of a nightclub. Well, yeah. Essentially, not much happens in this film plot-wise. There's not much plot to speak of. He's a struggling artist. He's um, painting commercial paintings he's like doing big versions of album yeah, covers it does his job doesn't really make much sense but the film opens with him ripping up uh, a picture he drew and he's being self-deprecating because that's all he does for an entire film he either slags himself off or slags someone else off he's just moody very angry miserable angry for the entire film he's not likable in the slightest but he rips his picture up and the picture flies off and uh, brings a painting to life so there's a mural on a wall somewhere, really ugly painting as mm-hmm. well. It does not look good. And uh, this paper makes it come to life. And <laughs> these women do lots of twirling. Olivia Newton-John appears. She's, she's your main main woman that's twirling in floaty dresses. I'm not really sure what sort of dance they're trying to do. Her first, uh, first attempt at a lead role. Good going, Olivia. Yeah, poor Olivia Newton-John. She'd uh, it's the first time and only time that she got single top billing for a film. Um, obviously after this big flop, um, she was never given one again. Olivia Newton-John, of course, of Greece fame. Just in case anybody. Yeah, I, I don't didn't think we know need to explain that. <laughs> um, yeah, so then she uh, gets a roller skates on and she goes and gives. Uh, Sonny, um, our lead guy, she goes gives him a kiss, and then that makes him uh, obsessed with her. Yeah, it's a bit. <sighs> Films full of sort of random acts like that, where she just she just ran. I don't know why they're skating throughout the film. No, I don't get that. I, I, was skating big at the time? Was it in in fashion? Well, I mean, this is this is obviously the. 1980 this is coming off the 70s when i'm sure rollerblading and disco and shit like that was yeah quite big yeah so this, this, this it feels very much like a 70s film and both of these films do yeah yeah very much so but um yeah she, she plants a kiss on him he becomes a little obsessed with her mm. there's an album cover that he's doing some big version of and she appears on it her face just appears no one knows why she appears on it um, uh, one thing we forgot to mention is um this first scene with all the uh ladies from the painting doing the twirling it contains two things that comes about in this film quite often terrible special effects like i mean the worst special effects i've ever seen in a film it's just digital wise it's just i don't even know how to explain it it just looks so cheap yeah um 
And it also goes on for way too long. It, it feels like it goes on for about five to ten minutes, which is a reoccurring theme. Every single music sequence in this film goes on for so long. But yeah, so he gets obsessed with her, moans about his work life a bit, uh, gets given the album cover. Um, and then he goes searching for Olivia Newton-John. Uh, he speaks to one guy who tries pimping his daughters out to him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, uh, you're single. These are my daughters. And yeah. he's like, ha, ha. Uh, yeah, anyway. I don't no. know this blonde bird you're talking about, but here's my daughters. Here's my daughters. Give them a go. <laughs> so um, he then meets Gene Kelly on a beach playing some sort of... Uh, it's a clarinet. Clarinet. It's clarinet. a clarinet, apparently. And uh, yeah, meets him, uh, has a quick chat with him. Then he, uh, he spots her again. He spots Olivia. And he gets on someone's bike. He borrows it off him. Uh, says, oh, I'll bring it right back and whatnot. And then he crashes it and falls into the sea. Yeah. She, he's like, can I borrow your bike? She's like, yeah, sure can, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. like, okay. Yeah, okay, stranger. Take my bike. Yeah. And then there's no, like, repercussion for him crashing it either. No. It just happens. They laugh. He literally laughs it off. He crashes it into the sea. He crashes into the sea. Like, that could be a serious injury. And she's like, oh, God. I was like, oh, silly. Oh, yeah. dear. Oh, you ought to. Um... <laughs> Then he continues his search straight after. You know, no time for rest, even though you've just been in a motorbike crash on a bike that doesn't belong to you. And goes and finds a run-down fucking building, warehouse, whatever. And Olivia Newton-John's in there skating around. Yeah, so it's some run-down... Well, they say it's condemned. No trespassing, condemned building. It don't look too bad from the inside. Yeah, I mean, that's soon... But it's where the album cover photo was taken... With her out in front, yeah. and uh, he goes in, and she's dancing away or skating away um, to magic. Uh, the so that um, one of the the songs from the album, Magic from uh, ELO, and uh, she's just practicing away. He says, "What are you doing?" I'm just, I'm just practicing with skating. Yeah, that that soon <laughs> finishes. Doesn't go anywhere. I'm surprised. Do you know what? We are skimming over this, but genuinely, this is what happens. This is, what this is how random we this film is. We haven't actually cut anything out. There's just We're about half an hour into the film at this point. nothing to say. This is genuinely every plot point in this film. <laughs> so then he goes to Gene Kelly's house. Uh, Gene Kelly starts bragging about his career in his big house. Um, so, yeah, so Gene Kelly tried to make it as a musician playing the clarinet. He's a big Glenn Miller fan, and I, I think it's reference to him having played for Glenn Miller. Um, Glenn Miller obviously being the big sort of band leader or, or whatever he was back in the day. He mysteriously disappeared um, without a trace, if I remember correctly. But he probably watched this film and then just Stop. fucking... It was way before this film. But um, turns out that Gene Kelly is rich. Yeah. Um, not through music, but through construction. He's a builder? He owns a construction company or something? We should know. It goes on about it for about 20 minutes. He does, he does a little bit. Um... <laughs> and then we realise that Gene Kelly is actually some sort of uh, psychopath. Because as soon as uh, Sonny leaves his house... He just sits there talking to himself, uh, and then we get ten minutes of tap dancing. 
So Gene Kelly does a has a flashback, Denny, to the war. Yeah. And uh, turns out he knows Olivia Newton John as well. This is this is part. Of, I don't get this. So he has a flashback to a woman that he was in love with back in the war. It is she is played by Olivia Newton John. I think that is meant to be the same person, and I'd explain yeah. the ending when she comes back as the barmaid. So I think she just appears throughout time. I mean, I don't fucking know. I, I ain't even going to try explaining this shit. It makes no sense. So. He has a flashback. They have a, a a lovely little tap dancing scene. It go, does go on a bit. This tap dancing scene. Which tap dancing scene do you prefer? This one or the one we watched in the Fred Astaire film that was in Joker? What's that film called? Shall we dance? Yeah. Which one do you prefer? Um. Well, obviously. I prefer and why do you prefer the... Shall We Dance? <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, I prefer Shall We Dance with uh, Fred Astaire. But Gene Kelly's a fantastic dancer. Fantastic. Even even if he's old age, he's a wonderful entertainer, and you can't you you can't take away from that. He is a wonderful dancer. This scene just felt so long, yeah. though. Olivia Newton John, she's not really known to be a dancer. Um, she's all right. She's passable. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, we found it, it was all imagining it. It was just a fantasy thing, whatever. His furniture reappears. Because his furniture disappears when he does this tap dancing thing. It reappears. That scene's finished. And then we have a scene that actually made me jump more than any horror film has this year. Oh, this is one where she's randomly... This is in like the a recreation of the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> we get a shot of Sonny doing his painting. And then... Uh, all of a sudden, it cuts away, and it cuts back. This is like something James Wan would do in one of his films. It cuts back, and you don't even realise at first, but there's fucking Olivia Newton-John in the background, standing, staring at the wall, <laughs> like she's fucking possessed. Yeah. And honestly, I nearly jumped out of my seat. <laughs> it was terrifying. So much and I've literally got in my notes, that. Olivia Newton-John is Michael Myers. She, after this, <laughs> she sneaks up on him out of nowhere whilst he's painting, and he's not... He's not phased by this, but it's from this point onwards, I couldn't look at her in the same way. I looked at her like some sort of slasher villain. <laughs> She's terrifying in this film. I, I'm sure I should have been there like, yeah, slay me Olivia Newton-John, but instead I was like, fucking hell, she is terrifying. And that's the thing. Olivia Newton-John is a, a complete slay queen, and we love her. Well, I love her. No, uh, I, do, I do love yeah. Olivia Newton-John, but, but in this film, I mean... Until the very end, the only outfits she wears are, like, really floaty. I I don't even know how to describe them. I think she's trying to look Greek, like a Greek goddess, like a a muse. Well, spoiler spoiler alert, that's what she she is. Excuse me. Um, But mm, she don't slay until the very end. No. Um, She says to... uh, This is an interesting... Really? (laughs) Well, no. You're watching the same film as (laughs) me? There is an interesting part... But she says to him, oh, it must be frustrating to spend your time on something that doesn't matter much to you. And I, I feel like this is the message the film's trying to give um, is essentially about doing your own thing, uh, making your dreams come true, uh, artistic integrity. Um, but then you have a story like the screenwriter being locked in a room for three days... <laughs> Because he's not producing the work fast enough. Well, that's... 
that's not artistic integrity. No. Um, this this film cannot say anything about <laughs> artistic integrity. Well, we get a uh, sequence after this. In Originally he says it's a recording studio, then he says it's a film studio. So I assume he must have meant film studio in the first place. Because it's a fucking weird building with this little control panel. And they press all the buttons randomly. And then somehow... We get a musical sequence with all these different props and everything working conveniently at the right time. Oh, yeah. But during this musical sequence, when it's meant to be the two of them singing... It's not. Is it's it not? not? No, no, no. Because I, I said at the it's time... It's definitely her singing. It's definitely her singing. Definitely uh, ONJ singing. Um, but Michael Beck doesn't sing at all in this film. Okay. By all accounts, he, he can't sing and ne- never was never intended to sing. But wouldn't it have made more sense if they were lip-syncing if in the scene? If they were at least lip-syncing. Turns out it's Cliff Richard singing in that song. Fuck off. Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton-John. So you've got this weird scene where Olivia Newton-John is singing, but her lips aren't moving because they're skating to a song from the soundtrack. If you're gonna do that, get get another female singer because you know we know Olivia Newton John's voice, so it just looks like she's singing, but her lips aren't moving. <sighs> well, the sequence ends with uh, Sonny's boss coming in, and you know they're outside. There's no way you could have seen them. They could have got away quite easily. He's <laughs> like, "What the fuck's going on here?" And Olivia Newton John's like, "Oh, we're here. It was him. He did it." And I've already done, these two are a fucking nightmare together. you got her ratting him out to his boss, getting him into shit. And then you got him, he's just being miserable again and moaning about shit. He seems to have this issue with his boss, but the, the boss just wants him to get on with his work. You know, it's like somebody going into work every day, doing their nine to five, constantly complaining about it, constantly telling everyone that will listen that what they're doing for a living is a big pile of shit. <laughs> And then suddenly be, you know, being annoyed that actually the manager wants you to shut the fuck up and get on with your work. Again, just this idea that this sunny guy is some pained artist who's dying to break free from the chains of commercialism. Well, he has a great business proposal and takes Gene Kelly into the abandoned warehouse or whatever it is and uh, gives him a bit of a property proposal. Like, hey, do you know what? We could put a nightclub together, yeah? Well, Gene, Gene Kelly's... So, it's this idea of dreams. So, Sonny's dream is to become a real artist and create his vision... And then Gene Kelly's dream is to open a nightclub or a venue similar to the one that he had during the war, where he played the clarinet with Glenn Miller, so-and-so and and such forth. And so that's the two dreams. ONJ, Olivia Newton-John, I'll refer to her as ONJ from now on. She says, well, why don't you bring those two dreams together? Yeah. Have my place, this condemned place, where she practices her skating, and create 
a um, nightclub. Is it a fucking nightclub? I don't... Or it's it, meant to be. Just a performance venue. I don't well, know what it is. This leads to a lovely sequence where... They can't decide whether they want the venue to include... The venue that hasn't even been fucking built yet. They can't decide if they want it to include big band music <laughs> from the 50s or if they want to include modern-day 80s rock music. This leads to two scenes... Well, two separate sequences. One where Gene Kelly starts explaining that you see a big band performing and then... You get Sonny um, discussing it, and we get to see some sort of Motley Crue ripoff, if they're even a thing by this point. They some been, big no. rock band ripoff. Um, it's like crazy, it. crazy little thing called Love. Yeah, and so it goes in between it a couple of times, and next minute you get a full fucking ten minute sequence of these two <laughs> bands do. going in between each other, <laughs> and just when you think it can't get any worse, they combine and they put both music on at the same time. And it just sounds like a fucking nightmare. It is just one big mess, and it doesn't fit at all. Yeah, so you you get these this girl group, the uh, Powerpuff Girls, wasn't there? The, the Powerpuff 40s. Girls, if Diana Ross was the front woman. Yeah, so there's one's blonde, one's got black hair, and one's got ginger hair. Um, and they're doing some sort of 1940s performance, big band music, and then you've got the... Uh, rockers in their leather jackets with crazy being hair really and sexual makeup. yeah being highly sexual and uh, they're both on two sort of um stages and then physically the stages come together and uh sort of merge into one it's very very um uh basic yeah uh, <laughs> uh sort of visual device to show the two coming together well, lucky enough after we had to sit through all of that gene kelly's like yeah do you know what fuck it let's do it like oh thank god if you'd said no after we had to watch that i'd have been <laughs> fucking fuming we get one of the f- f- incredible transitions that we get throughout the film um we get never seen in that club and now olivia newton john some sort of ghost and she just fades into the shot yeah she just fades in. It's a fucking stupid transition effect. And uh, she tells Jean to call the club Xanadu. Yeah, so they're looking for somewhere, uh, for a name for the venue. And she comes in and she starts quoting the uh, Kubla Kub. I, I always struggle to pronounce this. The Kubla Khan, mm. uh, which is a, a poem about Xanadu. A Xanadu almost sort of being a a heavenly place. And so, yeah, she's like, call it Xanadu. Yeah, and then Sonny goes off on a mad one. He goes to his workplace. He sacks himself. Instead of just saying, I quit, he was like, I want to have a word with you. To, my, to his boss, and he's like, I'm fired. I'm fired. And then, like... Yeah, it's a pure knob in that scene. He does. Then he? he walks out. He has one sip of alcohol. Then he tries it on with Olivia. It's like, <laughs> calm the fuck down. I remember when I had my first beer. So he had a sip, tries it on with her, she's, you know, she's a bit hesitant at first, but then she snogs him and we get an animated sequence, a really unneeded animated sequence that I think may have been a metaphor for sex. I, probably. I don't really get it. Well, they turn into fish and then they turn into birds and then they turn back into human beings. Yeah, and then one arose and um, it's to uh, Don't Walk Away, which is a great song. 
Um, but that animated sequence makes no sense. It's makes... really cheap as well, really cheap animated sequence. Well, as if it couldn't get any worse, we then get a fashion montage. Before we do, though, when they're walking up to the shop that they're taking Gene Kelly to to get some new clothes, there's a bit of laughing that is so out of place. Like, you can see their mouths, you see they're not moving, and yet the picture's laughing over the top that's meant to be them. Yeah, it's not sinking. Yeah. But you can tell it's the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Montage. Getting dressed montage in the shopping mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these mannequins come to life and uh, and they just start yes, wrecking the place. Yeah, yeah they, they, they do a bit. They're just flapping around everywhere and kicking and dancing. And Gene Kelly's trying on really ugly suits. Looks looks like Paul Lind. And uh, yeah. Um, all over the world is the uh, song. Yeah, yeah. Not, not really much. Sh- to say, uh, to be fair. that shopkeeper? Just... I'd be. I just, I'd just be like, get the fuck out of here! What are you right doing? No like, one even tries to stop him. It's like Primark on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. All American. It, it also includes Gene Kelly about. in a pinball machine as well. For some reason, don't know why he's in a pinball machine. <sighs> anyway. So then Olivia gets a bit dramatic and is like, oh, I was only sent here to tell you to call the club Xanadu. Um, and then she reveals she's a Greek goddess. The TV starts talking to Sonny. I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's a really contrived way of her explaining to him. Um, so essentially she shows that she's a muse and she's one of the daughters of Zeus. And um, by taking over the tv yeah and then having characters in some sort of old gangster film that she's in that she's in start talking to him and then she gets the dictionary changed don't she yeah she changes <laughs> the dictionary, dictionary. For like do you believe me i'm amused okay cool then she disappears and then we get sony having a breakdown um Goes for a sad roller skate and then roller skates into the uh, the wall from the start of the film with the painting on. Oh, that mural, yeah. And we get a really exciting sequence of him talking to Zeus, who's her dad, of course. Oh, yeah, it looks like really cheap Tron, doesn't it? Yeah, they're just in a black background. Black, black background with some, like... A few um, little lights. Neon lights and shit. Yeah, and so... So he's, he's like, I will not leave until you're coming with me. Olivia Newton-John, and then you get... This is a weird one. I think they're called, like, Heavenly Voices in the um, credits. Really? Not just called Zeus and Zeus' wife. No, considering um, Olivia Newton-John has explained that she's the daughter of Zeus and the muses He actually calls him Zeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the credits, it's called um, Male Heavenly Voice. Or male voice from above, uh, from above, and female voice from above. And I find that strange because why don't you just call him Zeus? Whatever the fucking voices were, they're incredibly boring. And <laughs> one uh, sounds like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Well, Sonny's like, yeah, she's coming with me. Zeus is like, no, she ain't. It's like, all right then. And then uh, we get Olivia having a mandatory musical solo sad song. Oh, come on, sad solo. And. To accompany this uh, musical sequence is Olivia Newton-John standing in one spot. 
Yeah, it's not doing anything. Desperately trying to be uh, hopelessly devoted to you. From Greece. Y- yeah. I don't know, a lot of our listeners may not have seen Greece. <laughs> I'd well, rather be watching fucking Greece than this. I was going to say, if you haven't, you should. Yeah, if you haven't, watch Greece. don't watch this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we have a sad song. Uh, and then after that... Zeus was so pissed off that he had to sit for the entirety of that song, like we were. He's <laughs> like, do you know what? Just fucking go, Olivia. So I don't want you here anymore. Just fuck off. I think that is my least favourite song from the, the soundtrack, to be uh, fair. And then even, you know, even her mum was like, yeah, do you know what? You should go see her. And then, uh, yeah, she leaves. Then we get Xanadu, basically looking like a glorified gay bar um, with skates. It don't look that nice. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm judging by our local gay bars. Yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> in the sense of it's meant to be this visionary place. Well, everyone looks like they're on a fucking court in there. They're yeah. all skating around shouting, Zanadu! But Zanadu! But it looks like a local disco, really. Yeah. Just in the middle of the room is some flashy uh, stage, and then there's a bar that looks like a normal bar. Like some booths and stuff, but that that's it. There's a lot of open space in there. Imagine a smoking area in that place. Ugh. Do you think it would be like the Collie on a Saturday night? Do you think you'd go out there and people would be like, "Oh, mate, could I buy a fag off you for a quid?" Probably. <laughs> <laughs> on the fucking roller skate trying to buy cigarettes off you. It just don't look that good. It's very oh. disappointing. <laughs> so Olivia turns up. In the best moment of the film, in her best outfit, slaying the game. Yeah, well, can we just... Can I ask a few questions that probably don't have any answers? Is it about the smoking area? No, it's not about the smoking area. Is every patron there a professional dancer? (laughs) Seems that way. Because are they trying to make money off this place? Because everybody seems to be ready and prepped for a choreographed dance routine yeah they all know it yeah there's no random people there's no hen party in the corner uh (laughs) so i don't know how they're making any money if they just paid all these dancers to be there also there was no reference to it ever being a roller disco no so i don't get why they're constantly on roller skates everyone just turned up with the skates conveniently yeah everyone just turned up in roller skates. Everyone turned up dressed like a twat as well. That yeah. was obviously uh, all planned. Yeah. But yeah, so Olivia turns up. They sing the film's main theme. Which Absolute the banger. Best moment of the film. The best only reason... of the film. This is the reason this film doesn't get a one Yeah, this star is the reason rating. it gets a two star this rating. This is why it gets a two star rating. But then, you just think it's about to finish. The song's all done. Then all of a sudden, she starts fucking tap dancing again. Then we get her in some sort of tiger suit, which, yes, that was giving me life. I was living for that. But then she was dressed as Dolly Parton. And then I, I don't understand. And then it just went back to the song again. Yeah, if it had just ended on the song, sloppy kiss at the end, Gene Kelly's happy, end of film... That would have been great. Well, even when the song finishes, it's still not the end of the film, because we get to see, because you haven't seen enough of it, Sonny moaning and being miserable again. Yeah. Turns out it was all in his imagination, the whole dance sequence. And then uh, Olivia Newton-John turns up, but she's a waitress now. Yeah. And then they have a smooch and the credits roll. Yeah. That's it. That is the film. Two stars, not even a love heart. Just shit. Yeah. Listen to the soundtrack, don't watch the film. Listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack did well. I mean, this this film bombed. 
Mm. Uh, it did not do Wonder very why. well. Um, but Magic from the soundtrack, which it wasn't featured in a, a scene necessarily. Um, it didn't really have a sequence. She, she was just sort of skating to it. Uh, not really a routine. But that, that was number one in, in America. Um, Xanadu, the song, was uh, number one in the UK for two weeks. The album went to number two here. So the the, the music did well. The film was shit. Well, I mean, a prime example of that is the fact that we, you know, the podcast that takes an hour and a half to discuss one film... I've just finished talking about this film within half an hour. Exactly. Because it, it had... This film had nothing to it. None of it made sense. absolutely no substance whatsoever. It was stupid. Yeah. And I, I literally... I have nothing to say about yeah. it anymore because it nothing happened. What Razzies did it get nominated? Did it win any? Uh, it's... I mean, it invented them, so I should hope so. It was nominated for Worst Film, obviously. Did it win? Uh, no, no. Uh, it was nominated for Worst Actress for Olivia Newton-John. It was nominated for Worst Actor for Michael Beck. Uh, fortunately, it didn't... It wasn't nominated for Worst Supporting Actor, actually, because I, I do feel like Gene Kelly was... The second best part of this. Um, it won for Worst Director. Understandable. Yeah. And it was nominated for Worst Original Song. Oh, fuck off. That's not... For Suspended in Time. Oh, okay, maybe then. Yeah. So I think Suspended in Time is the one I didn't really like. Was that her solo song? Her mopey dopey uh, solo Vanessa one. Hudgens and High School Musical song. Yeah. Where she has a sad moment. <laughs> yeah. A sad moment. So only actually won one for worst director. Wow. So that was. Did it. our uh, next masterpiece? Oh, me? our next film won fuckloads. <laughs> was nominated for fuckloads. <laughs> Spoiler alert! This <laughs> is the film I was talking about. <laughs> Can't stop the music is the worst film of all time. <laughs> Don't watch it. Listen to this. Don't watch it. It's dog shit. End of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Honestly, if I could end it right now, I would. At this least, is fucking bullshit. At least Zanadu had the decency to be an hour and a half. This film is apparently a documentation on the life of the village people. It's, it's, it's very, um, what do you call it? It's been put down on bullshit, IMDb. As a biography. biography. Yeah. No, the plot is a that... A biography of the village people. The plot says it's a documentation of the village people. It is not a fucking documentation of the village people. This is a documentation of how you should fuck your way to the top, and that's how you get famous. The end. That's all this film's about. It... I don't even know where to start with this Again, film. 20 million budget somehow. Directed by Nancy Walker. She made fuck all else, unsurprisingly. Uh, fun, fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, Nancy Walker, this was advertised as being the first movie musical with over a, you know, million dollar budget directed by a woman. And Nancy Walker had a three picture contract. Spoiler alert, 
She didn't direct anything after this. Oh, yeah, you did all trivia on this one. What other fun facts have you got for us? This was a massive bomb at the box office, and the her contract was rescinded. They were like, no, no, I'm sorry. You, you, you're not allowed. Didn't one of the village people anymore. actually throw the script across the room? Now, 1980 <laughs> wasn't the best year for Olivia Newton-John. Although she had a number, she had a number one singles. Um, but movie-wise, because she turned down the lead in Can't Stop the Music. Wow. <laughs> so she was fucked either way. Yeah. Uh, others who were considered for the role of Samantha, who was the main role in the film, were uh, Jacqueline Bisset, Cher, and Raquel <laughs> Welsh. Imagine Cher in this oh, shit. Dear. Um, <laughs> choreo- choreography was by Arlene Phillips. Uh, our UK listeners will know her from Strictly Come Dancing. She was the main judge for a few years. Uh, location shooting in New York was complicated by gay activists protesting <laughs> cruising, which was filming nearby. The two productions were mistaken for each other more than once. Uh, <laughs> cruising is a far better film than this. Let's just put it out there. And that includes Al Pacino fisting someone. <laughs> he didn't fist anyone in that film. Did he not? Who got no. fisted? Some randomer in the background. Oh, wait, it contains fist in it. It's still better it than this. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it one day. Do you know what? This film could have benefited from a little bit of fisting. I thought we were going to get it at one point. Fair. And it wouldn't surprise me. It would have been the least shocking thing in this film. Yeah. Um, in later years, and this, this is something I will talk about. Uh, in later years, some members of the village people said they disliked the way the film distorted the formation of the group. Uh, it barely even fucking featured it. <laughs> And toned down the gay subculture aspects. Well, yeah, because it's really homophobic. It, it is. Um, we'll get more into that, actually, because it's a big reason this, why I yeah, don't like this, this film. This is a film about a gay group, but yeah. a lot of it is really fucking homophobic. And just, like, completely ignored. And if, do you know what, if it was, if it was the fact that it was showing the struggles of the village people being a gay group, in those times, when, you know, when there was less diversity and, you know, it was, it was more frowned upon, then I'd understand it. But it's not. It's just characters. These made-up characters randomly being really homophobic. It, it doesn't there, to There it. are moments. There's there, one there moment. There are weird. There, there is one main one, moment. One moment the where they're talking about their career and how it's not what a standard American family would want to see and whatever. Yeah. That's more along the tone of what I'd expect. Bruce Jenner randomly storming out of a performance of theirs because he doesn't agree with it. That's not what I was expecting. But let's get into it and we'll get to that in a second. Take in mind before we start this, this is a fucking PG. That will be important soon. So it starts off in the most 70s way possible with more roller skates. Yeah, so Steve Gutenberg of Police Academy and Three Men and a Baby... Fame? Was he in Free Steve oh, Gutenberg? Okay. Yeah. yeah, he probably was. Steve Gutenberg, he was big in the 80s, um, post this film. I, I don't I know really, how. I don't know how. This should have destroyed his career. Um, so he can't get the night off. He works at a uh, record store. So he quits and starts skating down a New York road, right in the middle of the fucking road. Yeah, there's so much wrong with this opening sequence that I couldn't even fit it all on paper. It's just... Yeah. 
the soundtrack is an awful, really fucking awful song about why the singer loves New York. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't mind disco music, but in this film, the fucking disco music pissed me off so much. Yeah, it, it's a disco musical um, set during the dying days of disco. Um, he gets so Steve Gutenberg gets spanked by an old woman with a baguette. Yeah. Uh, Valerie Perrine. No, I hope I've pronounced that surname correctly. Perrine. Well, she plays Sam, and she's also strutting down New York streets. Mm-hmm. So she's our lead. So this was either going to be Cher or Raquel Welsh or Olivia Newton-John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her, first, her first meeting with Jack, he fat shames her. Starts talking about how fat she is, but she really embraces it, though. I mean, fair enough, good. No, but... no, the whole idea is that she's a top model. She's America's next top model. Uh, but she's decided to retire, and therefore she can eat whatever she likes. Yeah. So that that's the idea. That's why he okay. calls her Miss, Miss Piggy. Um, so they... Funny way to go about it still, but okay. <laughs> So, Steve Gutenberg and Valerie, uh, Sam, they are, they have some sort of friendship. Um, he, because I was confused about this, I wrote down, he is a house sitter, but then he becomes like a little brother to her. Yeah, so I don't know if the whole idea is that Steve Gutenberg's character is homosexual. Yeah, a gay best friend, and that the whole gay thing is ignored. Do you know they don't say gay once in this film? No, they don't. No, of course they don't. Come on, A2s. Yeah. Um, I mean, the visuals say enough as it is. Uh, so, the Native American village person breaks into a flat. <laughs> less sinister than it sounds, but... Yeah, so <laughs> politely he, breaks into a flat. He's a friend, and he's suddenly in her apartment... <laughs> When they get back, and she's like, oh, what are you doing here? How did you get in? <laughs> oh, I just crept through the window. She's like, oh, you. Yeah, then um, Jack's going on about this fucking mixtape of his or whatever. Um, yeah, so he, he writes music, disco music, and he's going to be a big star one day. Then we get a... Because uh, he tells her that he's doing this club night. Asks her to go along and have a listen. And she... Happily accepts. Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah, she's after not a while. Anymore. No, she's and then she's looking after her houseplants. We get an insight at a cocaine-fueled '70s sexual disco. Yeah, so it's it's a disco where everyone's just sort of grinding up against each other. It looks like a fucking nightmare. And this Sam, she's really surprisingly quite popular with all the men. Clearly homosexual men. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, but yeah, they're, they're grinding. Oh, but because it's the eighties, we have to have these homosexual men uh, being sexual with women and giving them like little winks here and there. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you clearly have no interest in them. And uh, Steve Gutenberg wrote a song for Samantha. Samantha. I'm glad you paid this much attention to the lyrics. I didn't get any of this. Awful. <laughs> Fucking awful. She's like rubbing a fanny up against some <laughs> homosexual's leg and Samantha. <laughs> anyway. So he wants his music noticed. Um Sam is really happy with this Samantha song. 
And uh, she says that she wants to, you know, help him make it and whatever. But then he's like, no, how could you? He's like, he doubts her. No, no. The idea is that she's, um, you know, being an America's Next Top Model, she shagged a few uh, record execs in her time. So she's got quite a few connections for Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. That's that. This gets elaborated. Essentially, on. yeah. That's essentially what she says. Is that oh, if you want your music heard, I actually really enjoyed that Samantha song. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love to help you with your career. So she goes round and she realizes he can't sing. She wastes no time telling him that. Uh, and then she gets an ice cream from Baskin Robbins. <laughs> she does. Uh, who also. Coincidentally, Baskin Robbins released their own uh, flavour ice cream as a tie-in with this film, and it's called Can't Stop the Nuts. <laughs> Can't Stop the Nuts. <laughs> Can't Stop the Nuts. <laughs> I often think with our film tests and our music tests, the 80s would have been a good time to be around. Mm-hmm. But then you realise there is a film about a gay group that exists... Where the word gay isn't mentioned once, there's a bit of homophobic abuse in it, and there's gay men trying it on with straight women. And an ice cream tie-in called Can't Stop the Nuts. Can't Stop the Nuts. I'm fucking glad I wasn't alive in 1980. I would have paid my 99 Holy shit. cents and went to watch this double bill. And then asked for a refund. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop the fucking nuts. Anyway, so she has this ice cream and it lasts for about three hours as she goes round to all the different village people apart from two of them because we don't get to see them until an hour in uh, she goes round the rest of them and starts trying to get them to sing Jack's shitty fucking music yeah so she randomly like it's like gay Avengers and she's Nick Fury and then she's like oh I know someone who'd be perfect for this group yeah it, it is gay Avengers yeah so um the construction work yeah so the worst part up, about this is the fucking yeah. construction worker so she ends up at the construction worker village person and unfortunately he gets a solo song i, I don't know why he gets a solo song where he keeps telling all these women that he loves them to death yeah. and so he, he says before this that he his job is to sing product placement songs so like, i can't sing one song without this product placement okay where the fuck was the product placement in this song? He only sang I Love You to Death Weird, over like, and over again. And these women, like, were dressed in red dresses with, like, slits up the side. They were all sort of the same dress. Yeah. And he's, like, caressing them and kissing them and loving them to death. I'm like, if you're going to be a gay film, be a fucking gay film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this film no goes... shit. This completely goes against anything that I'm sure the village really people would have worked hard to it, promote. Exactly. Exactly. Um, then we get a really odd sequence of events. We get the baguette spanking woman again. <laughs> yeah. She smacks some woman. <laughs> so it's Samantha's um, agent, who, I, I don't know, is she meant to be the villain of the film? I don't, I don't think anyone's meant to. The characters in this film, it's like a, a random jukebox. It's really, they're quite they have different. They have different personalities every few seconds. So this woman, she spanks her and then she gives her a baguette back. Next minute, we get introduced to Bruce Jenner and he's watching across the road. This old lady gets run over um, and then he goes over to help her. She gets up and she's like, you fucking piece of shit, give me your money. She holds him up with a gun and robs him, um, 
doesn't want to take his cake that he's got. And then she drives off on the bike with the guy who ran her over. And this is all within the space of a couple of seconds. What? Yeah, I don't but know. From this point on, I couldn't make many notes because the film went at 180 miles per hour. From this point onwards, it, it was so much fast yeah. talking, cutting in between scenes, random shit. None of it made any sense, and I lost track. I, my brain couldn't process it all. It's So Bruce Jenner gets robbed at gunpoint by this old lady, and it's meant to be funny, meant to be a comedy scene, I'm assuming. And when he explains to people in the next scene, they're like, oh, that's New York for you. Well, at the beginning of the film, you're saying about how great New York is. Yeah. You well, have a whole fucking song dedicated to how great New York is. And we're like, oh, that's New York. You get rubbed at gunpoint by old ladies. Well, amongst this madness, there is one thing I couldn't help but notice that really stood out amongst everything that was going on. Is a character called Lulu, who is probably the most horny character I've ever seen in any film. She is one to try it on with fucking everybody. Yeah. A terrible actress. She's well, all. She's also a drug addict. And again, this is a PG, right? <laughs> she's offering Sony a joint, and she's going on about all these different drugs and everything. And getting your films mixed up, huh? Am I? Steve Gutenberg. You said Sony. Oh fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm finally descending into madness. What's his name? Jack. Yeah, so she offers Jack some weed. Um, it goes on about other drugs and whatever. He happily accepts. In a fucking PG, they take drugs. Um, she's going on about everyone she wants to fuck and everything, especially the Native American. And she doesn't refer to him as a Native American. There's a bit of cultural uh, appropriation going on they here. Do, they do, um, but this is at the t- uh, a sign of the times, really, because even during the band's sort of... Um, popular period they always refer to him as the indian well we don't say indian anymore we say native american well they have they host some sort of dinner party and i take him on the village people are there meant to be rehearsing just to demonstrate that they can sing this song that jack's wrote from that's all nice quiet little performance fucking lead girl samantha she invites the whole fucking neighborhood over for a dinner party to witness this lasagna on the menu get some lasagna on the go and uh jack's mum turns up starts talking shit about fate and everything and then somehow they have no rehearsal but the village people she's gathered together they all know this song they know the dance routine they Mm -hmm. know all the lyrics off by heart um I mean, they perform the song, Lulu's still sexually harassing everyone. Um, and then Bruce Jenner, he gets really pissed off because he realises they're all gay. And he's like, oh, this is disgusting, I don't agree with this. And he storms out. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so strange. Number one, I don't understand why he turns up with a cake that's not actually explained who he is no. or why he's there. Um, but then he's like... I just, I just don't understand how you can associate yourself with these strange characters. Now, obviously, the underlying context is that they're homosexuals. Yeah. I mean, they flirt with women like there's no tomorrow. Um, but, you know, we know, they know, we all know. You just can't say it because that would make it an interesting film. Um, and he's like, oh, I just don't know how you can 
associate these with you're a beautiful, successful woman. But then at this point, Sam's really empowering. And she's like, do you know what? I don't give a shit. Yeah, um, you. Get out right. of my house. And then the next day, she is this fierce sexual character who wants to go and speak to her ex, Steve, who owns a record label. And she picks an outfit out that reads tits and tears, apparently. Apparently it's time for tits and tears. Yeah. So she goes to um, she goes to Steve, who has some sort of phone fetish. Uh, he has like a thousand phones around his office. The whole the whole idea is that they broke up because he's constantly on the phone. Yeah. Um, he thinks about his work more than he thinks about anything else. Okay, we get it. Now this idea is hammered in every single scene yeah. he's in. It's this constant ringing in the phones. It's like, yeah, we get it. We understand. We mm-hmm. know the point you're making. He starts rubbing the phone up at one point and talking really sexual to it. Does look that. Um, so she goes there, practically sits on top of him and starts uh, flirting to get a record deal for the village people. And again, this goes against everything we've seen so far with this character. Mm-hmm. She is all of a sudden, she is. <clears throat> she wants to fuck her way to the top. For the village people, of course. Um, never kid it for her. So they um, managed to get him to agree to let them record a demo session. She goes outside. Bruce fucking Jenner's obviously there. Out of nowhere. No, he's... Uh, so Bruce Jenner's character is a tax lawyer. And the taxes are due at the uh, record label. So that's why he's there. He suddenly decides, oh, fuck work for the day. I'm going to go off with Samantha. Yeah. And try and, uh, well, get in her pants, basically. Well, remember that last scene where she was like, oh, do you know what? You're a fucking homophobe. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Wow. You can forget about that. He explains it away by saying he's a Gemini. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't me last night. I'm a Gemini. I have two personalities. Oh, what? And she's like, oh, okay, then yeah, I'll go on a date with you. So, what? So they go back to... Uh, she does a bit of a... Um, getting her legs out for a taxi. Yeah, that old shtick. Yeah, then they go um, go back to her place. And uh, Jack's there, you know, being all oblivious and Jack-like. And uh, Bruce Jenner spills a lasagna down him that he gets out of the oven. Um, he has to take his trousers off. Well, they happily remove them for him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, in this PG-rated film, they uh, get a bit saucy with each other. Yeah, he's, like, sat in some sort of dentist chair. Mm-hmm. And she... I don't understand why she goes and sits on his lap. Yeah, and she figures out he's married. And uh, he's like, oh, um, well, I'm uh, divorced. And she's like... Okay. Yeah, that that was sort of a thing that wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, And then she gets down on her knees and says the exact line of dialogue, you sure get up quick. Yeah, what? Whilst looking at his cock. Yeah. So then the lights go out. Um, he says something about it being 80s and trying new stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Um, then the army village person and the leather village person show up an hour into the film. At this point, I was like, fucking, there's an hour left. I can't believe this shit. 
So then Bruce is randomly uncomfortable with gay people again. When when he's in the room with them and he's looking all uncomfortable, and then yeah, his parents so show they're, up. They're, they're, they're hosting at Bruce's office. He says, "Oh, you know, to make amends, you can have, you can hold auditions for the last two singers at my uh, office." And so they do, but then he suddenly goes back to being really uncomfortable. Yeah. With these strange characters. His parents cut, turn up, and his dad. Like calls him all a disgrace. Yeah. Exact words. Yeah. Uh, his mum makes a comment about him being village people, and just like that, the name's born. They're the village people. <laughs> I really hope that's not how they really got the name. Um. Yeah, and it's just you can the homophobia in that scene is kind of like an extra character. You can almost see it. It is so obvious. But Bruce Jenner's character's not punished for it, and that's the weird part. But then, yeah, but then he he then quits his dad's organisation or something yeah, like that? His dad runs the uh, lawyer lawyer thing, place, yeah. business. Shit. Uh, practice. Whatever. The, 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 the law practice for the, the taxes. And so he quits that and he's going to become the lawyer for the village people. Yeah, so now that he's pro-village people, don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, he gets his own crop top, um, and then he takes them to. He's suddenly because he's quit his dad's lawyer firm. He's quit his dad's lawyer firm, and because he's not a homophobe anymore, he decides that the best attire for walking down the street is suddenly a crop top and some Daisy Duke shorts. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to take on to the YMCA. <laughs> now, like, here's a place for a bit of inspiration for you. Let's go to the YMCA. Now, we need to talk at length about this scene. This, again, may I repeat, is a PG. This fucking scene looks like the start of some sort of vintage porn. Yeah. It is homoerotic to the extreme, and there is cocks everywhere, floppy and hard. There's even tits. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? You spot the hard cock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to miss. Um, yeah, so essentially, we get obviously the YMCA is the village people's biggest hit. Um, it's the only one of their hits that really features in the film. In the Navy, a macho man. Oh, don't so you're feature. saying the uh, milkshake song isn't their uh, big <laughs> the hit? The fucking milkshake song is not. Um, so you get, you know, a whole sort of music video for the YMCA. It's the most important song of the film, and it's just them and Samantha running around in this gym, a swimming pool. Yeah. And so they run into the locker room and they're all really excited. And one guy's got his knob out (laughs) and he's startled by the sight of Samantha. They've all got their knobs out. No, but this is the beginning part. He's like, ooh. So they they don't end up in the shower, though. You just get a shower scene, don't you? Mm -hmm. And so there's this shower scene and everyone's all soaked up. 
<laughs> and this, in fairness, these are sort of like it, it doesn't linger too long on these, but it is long a, enough. It's a PG, but it's long enough to see people's bits, including one that was a bit excited to be on camera. Yeah, and then they're in a hot tub, and Samantha's got her boobs out. Yeah. This is a PG, not a 12A. Even a 12A doesn't be too much. Normally, if you get in, in within the UK, with the film age rating system, if there's a slight bit of nudity, it's a 15. Yeah, I think it depends on the context as well. Because I saw um, Room With A View, which is uh, a very, very high-brow British production. You know, Merchant Ivory... Starring Helena Bonham Carter and Maggie Smith and Judy Dench, you know, based on an Ian Forster novel. And that had knobs in it. Quite prolonged, you know, scene of Willie's, but it was, you know, high class, lavish. And and that was a PG. That was on during the day. This was honestly this look like it was leading into a porno. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. There was there was wrestling. Abs- absolutely. Um, bits of wrestling very in it. Homoerotic. It would. Yeah. I I could not believe they got away with it. But this. it was so jarring because the rest of the film tried to hide the gay aspect mm. so much that then you get a scene like this and it's like it's disappointing because well it's not, not you know what? no it's not disappointing I'm glad the scene was included and the thing is but I'm why only... the rest of the film this if you're yeah. gonna be camp if you're going to be gay you know the village people are a synonym for camp the gay acts mm-hmm. they are it's them and out and john they're up there yeah we all know it everyone knew it back then if you're gonna do it go all out what i love about this scene fucking, you know in the closet bullshit well this this scene is kind of like the olivia newton john jump scare in xanadu like, imagine being straight in the audience in the 1980s, like, ha-ha, yes, look at all these uh, homophobic characters. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, here's a bunch of cocks. Like, bunch being of cocks. all gay with each other. They'd have been so pissed it's off. Quite, it's quite, I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> why, the, why they felt the need for that, though, to be fair. But, yeah, so that happens. Um, and then, where do we go next? Uh... I've got notes about this being vintage porn, Cox. Oh, the record labels not interested after the Liberation performance. Yeah. Um, but if I could just say about that scene again, I'm sorry to linger, but we've been watching quite a few John Waters films recently. Jesus Christ, I thought you were going to say something else. Sir. No. <laughs> Um, we Compared quite... to the porn that we have been watching. Yeah, no. We've been watching quite a few John Waters films recently. I'm really enjoying them. We, we love John Waters. Uh, we're actually going to go see him um, on Wednesday. <laughs> this episode was originally going to be an episode about John Waters. It was, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's such mm, a shame No, now. talking about this shit. Uh, a uh, dirty shame. But... Um... <sighs> but... That's how this film maybe sh- should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, all out, balls to the wall. Literally. Just, yeah. But, you know, something like a hairspray that's just camp and fun. Yeah. And silly. And this film was none of that because it was a bit shit. 
and way too long. Well, we got we got treated to a whole game music video sequence, and because we were given that privilege, we then get some more homophobia from the record label guy Steve, who again is just disgusted in the village people mm. after they perform a song for him. He's not interested. So, this leads to Sam getting him a gig with a commercial company, in which they perform the worst song I have ever heard in my entire <laughs> fucking life. Yeah. It it starts with them as children, and then it evolves into this thing where they're all dressed in white, advertised in milk, and it's a song where they're talking about do the milkshake, and it's fucking bullshit. Awful. It is terrible. It it's just it went on for so long as well, and then it does this thing where you think it's finished and it starts again, and it oh, it was fucking torture to sit through. It's meant to be a commercial as well. It was really long for yeah. a commercial. So Sam was wearing quite a covered up outfit in this video. Considering she just got her tits out in the hot tub. Yeah. yeah. Next scene is Bruce Jenner telling her that she was too revealing in that video. He doesn't want to know her anymore because she's a slut. Yeah. Basically. He, he, he's like, fuck you. You got all your tits out in that video. Um, let's all forget the hot tub incident. But yeah. Uh, my next note is, I just don't give a shit anymore. Still accurate. Um, I think I stopped writing notes after this part. Jack and his mum hijack Steve's private jet um, to force him to give the village people a record deal. Um, then, next minute, the, he does give them a record deal. They've got this big gig out of nowhere, all of a sudden. Um, they all, Everyone all meets up in a dressing room. Uh, Steve starts flirting with a reporter that he starts fucking. And uh, Bruce Jenner, after basically slut-shaming Sam in that last scene for wearing a really covered-up outfit, um, asks Sam to marry him. You know, Sam, who we met a few days ago, says, yeah. Yeah, she forgives him. You know, great message to give people watching this film. Um, yeah. And then... Yeah, women don't come off very well in this film. No, they're just all fucking their way to the top. They're either a bitch like uh, Sam's agent. Mm-hmm. They're either... You know, um, sexual predators like Lola. The reporter... Obviously, the reporter's not in it too much. But that reporter no. was like, yeah, I'll sleep with you straight away. Let's go. Um, and obviously, shame on the man for uh, as well for that yeah. one. Uh, and then this Samantha, who we thought was going to be this fierce, fun female, um, turns out to marry Bruce Jenner. Yeah, out of nowhere. Who's Bruce Jenner's been quite an arsehole, actually, mm-hmm. throughout the majority of the film. So that's disappointing. So that's your happy ending. And then village people perform the title song of the film. And my last note says this film can fuck off. And I still stand by it. <laughs> so we get... And this this note. Their final performance is in this club, which is quite clearly... An arena. A, yeah, but quite clearly a gay club. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of men with big moustaches construction hats on um very few women um but it's meant in the script in the plot it's meant to be some sort of fundraiser (laughs) yeah bruce jenner's (laughs) mum's 
<laughs> organised. Um, and yeah, can't stop the music. And it doesn't really stop because the song goes on and yeah. on and on and on. Fucking ages. For ages. And Yeah, and that's it. And then that's the end of Thank the fucking film. God. Worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. No exaggeration. It's just bullshit. It's awful because it feels like you've had two screenwriters write a script. They've been given a general plot and say, oh, you write a script and then you write a script as well and we'll see which one's better. And they're like, mm, can't decide. So we're just going to merge both of them together mm-hmm. in some haphazard way. No, I don't know if this is actually what happened. It's just what it feels like. And, yeah, hope for the best. See um, see what happens. And then what you get is these characters who are so bipolar. Um, you get a, a screenplay about the village people where the village people don't exist for half the film. The village people as a whole only perform... About three songs. Three songs. Four, maybe, maximum. Um, it's a film about the village people that isn't actually even about the village people. It's mainly about this Sam woman, really, and Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Um, awful, like, truly awful. And, do you know what I really don't understand? Is that the village people... Were they even that successful to warrant a $20 million film about them? Not that I could think of. I mean, uh, as far as I know, they're only well known for like two, three songs. Yeah. So I think they had three hits before this song came out. This song? Uh, This film came out. It's the dying days of disco. And I love disco music. Um, But, you know, by 1980, there was quite a backlash against it. For, for right or wrong reasons. Um, but there was a backlash against it because a lot of, well, there's a lot of racism and homophobia, really, mm-hmm. is the main cause of that backlash. And, and also because the quality was, mm, wasn't was as good as it was uh, during the 70s. Um, but I find it strange that after sort of three hits, they would spend $20 million on a film about them. That would be like today, them doing a film about Dua Lipa. (laughs) (laughs) You know? You you wouldn't get that. No. Sorry, I just found that really weird. It is weird. weird. It is really weird. And a film shouldn't exist because it's fucking bullshit. And we should probably burn the DVD now. Yeah, yeah. I, I will never watch that again. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for sticking with us. At least you <laughs> don't have to watch these films now. Listen to us talk about them. And, uh, yeah, don't watch them. Can't recommend them at all. If you want to, you know, be it on your own head. Listen to the Xanadu soundtrack. That don't listen to the only... Carl Sullivan really no, soundtrack. Oh, fuck no. Um, that is the only, only thing I would recommend is listen to that Xanadu soundtrack. Because uh, I, I probably will tomorrow. Might do it tonight. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. So uh, next week is a request week. Thank God. We are talking did you, about... Did you wanna know, sorry, did you not want to know what uh, Razzie's, the uh, Can't Stop the Music one? 
Um, yeah, should have been all of them. But... So it weren't for Worst Picture. Uh, it was up against Cruising and Friday the 13th, <laughs> which I find strange. Um, it was nominated for Worst Actress, Valerie Perrine. Um, worst Actor for Bruce Jenner. Very understandable. Um, worst Supporting Actress for the woman who played Lulu. Uh, worst Director for Nancy Walker. Also nominated for Worst Director that year was Stanley Kubrick for The Shining. Unbelievable. And Brian De Palma for Dress to Kill. Makes no sense. No sense. That, that is the really weird uh, first year of the Razzies, to be fair. These two are very justified, but fuck it out. Brian De Palma for Dress to Kill. Fucking love Dress to Kill. Shelley Duvall for Worst Actress. Fuck off. Uh, it won for Worst Screenplay. Very, very understandable, that one. What, um, Can't Stop the Music? Or can't stop, no, Can't Stop the Music won for Worst Good. Screenplay. Um, very understandable. And it was nominated for Worst Original Song for not the Milkshake Song. What? You Can't Stop the Music. <laughs> okay, now I just want to pretend that these two films didn't just don't exist. Um, yeah, so next week is a request episode. Request from our listener and my good friend Xander. Uh, it's Alien Abduction, also known as Instant in Lake County Order McPherson Tape. Uh, it's a film that's a mixture of uh, fairly decent and so bad it's good. But either way, Chris isn't a fan, but either way, there's no denying that it's a fucking thousand times better than both of these films put together. But yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. Um, uh, yeah, I honestly, I'm, my mind is blown. <laughs> I feel like these films, this double bill has taken part of us. I feel exhausted. <laughs> I feel like maybe we should have, like, slept on it a little bit. <laughs> I kind of want to recommend it to the uh, Movie So Bad They're Good podcast, but I don't want to sit through it. I don't want anyone to have to sit through that shit. <laughs> anyway, maybe let's wrap it up. So, yes, <laughs> we'll be a lot more awake next week after not sitting through two shit films. Um, no, just one. Check us out on social media. Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gasmo205 on Instagram. GasCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you're listening on uh, iTunes, don't forget to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. It is a massive help to us. Helps us get out there a lot more. Um, everything else just give us a like and a follow subscribe if you're on YouTube that's about it yeah yeah so we will see you same time same place again next week bye